Download Adam Sank's last comedy album on Amazon, iTunes, or Google Play. We're already in the shower together. <laughs> the risk has been taken. <laughs> if I don't blow you, the risk will have been for nothing. Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. Ryan, pull down your pants. <laughs> JB, you start sucking. The host, a comedian of questionable talent, speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you, but I will not eat you. I want that fucking dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. I hope my mother's listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good. <laughs> he asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I Absolutely. like where you're going with yep. this. For some reason... The word strap-on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah, you said come and strap-on at the same time. <laughs> and he cannot stop talking about his buttocks. I think your butt is telling you, no mas, por favor. <laughs> this is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. <laughs> and now... The one, the only, Adam Sank! When you see the Southern Cross for the first time... You understand now why you came this way Cause the truth you might be running from is so small But it's as big as the promise The promise of a coming day Yeah, little Crosby, Stills and Nash to get you going Hello and welcome to the Adam Sank Show We are not live, but this is a brand new episode If you're listening at 11am Eastern on Saturday, May 23rd, 2020 The year of the coronavirus apocalypse At dnrstudios.com You know, you have to subscribe to dnrstudios.com If you're not already Because that's the only place to hear this podcast live And throughout the week it first airs Leave us your ratings and reviews on whatever platform you use to hear me Uh, Email me, me at adam at adamsank.com, like the Facebook page, download the comedy albums, donate to AIDS Walk. My AIDS Walk page is uh, linked to my website at adamsank.com. And most importantly for this moment, if you're listening to this after May 30th, 2020, and most of you are, go to podcastawards.com. That's podcastawards.com. And nominate the Adam Sank Show in the Feast of Fools slash Fun LGBTQ category. Uh, you guys, this is super important. I would appreciate it if you would hit pause right now on the podcast. Go to podcastawards.com and nominate this show. We were not nominated at all last year after being nominated the year before. I have still not gotten over it. I'm still processing my heartbreak and my anguish. And um, it really, it costs you nothing. They won't spam you, I promise. So um, help a bitch out and nominate us. Thank you. Today's guest is the amazing Ari Gold, openly gay, legendary, iconic New York City pop star. Um, We've had him on the show before. He is uh, always interesting to talk to. He's going through a lot of shit right now. Um, We're going to talk about that. Shit's going to get real. But first, I want to welcome everyone's favorite piglet, uh, from deep in his in his nest, in b- darkest Brooklyn, please welcome the adorable Ryan Frostig. You, Ryan, how are you this morning? I'm fabulous, Adam. How are you? 
I am good. I'm going to try turning up the phone volume just a little bit because I don't want to miss a word just of you. Scooch. Just a scooch. I think last episode we did was the best one yet as far as our, our, the home. I think home, so too. Yeah, as far as the home studio technical quality. Um, I've got a speaker literally dangling, dangling in front of my nose like a nutsack. And I did see. And, uh, my setup is not um, uh, quite as uh, busy as yours. I'm literally just in bed, which is which. I wish I could always do the podcast like like this. Just sprawled out, ass open just to the wind. Here I am. Stick it in. Here I am. Is Paul next to you? No, he's hmm. uh, cleaning and cooking and what a good doing other house duties while I'm working working on the pod. God, I wish I had, I wish I had a boyfriend. By the way, I, there's a siren uh, happening outside. I don't know what it's for, but. Um, something I can do about it. Hopefully it will pass soon. Um, Ryan, before we talk about what we recommend as far as viewing uh, for the view for the listeners, I've, I haven't even told you about this. I, um, You know what? I'm kind of obsessed with Daniel Newman. Mm-hmm. He's this actor on The Walking Dead who has become like, an, uh, like a gay icon because he's, you know, openly gay and very sexy and posting all kinds of thirst trap photos of himself regularly. And... Um, he tweeted out his phone number a couple weeks ago. What was that sound? Sorry. Keep going. It was Paul. He tweeted out his phone number and was like, um, because there was a, some TikTok, some guy on TikTok made like a video and he was super hot and muscular. And Daniel was like, dude, call me seriously. And he tweeted out his phone number. So I've been trying to get him on the podcast for a while. And I figured, well, I'm, I'm going to text the phone number. You know, maybe it's real and maybe I can get a hold of him. And I was like, hey, Daniel, it's Adam Sank. I'd love to have you on the Adam Sank show. Get back to me. And immediately I got a text back like, oh, my God, I didn't realize I would get so many thousands of texts. Um, I'm with my sister right now. I'll catch up with you later. And that began a series of texts from him. Like, that would happen several times a day. Like, hey, how are you? I'm exercising right now. Da-da-da-da-da. And I finally was like, is this Daniel or is this a Daniel bot? And then I got a text back like, I use texting the same way I use my Instagram and my Twitter to share what's going on in my life. I'll try to answer all your questions as soon as I can. And I was like, fucking hell. I have now subscribed to this endless text storm and he's not reading any of my texts like this is all just generic bullshit and and i could not figure out how to turn it off and finally i hit i literally typed unsubscribe and that put a stop to it i wish i could say i'm surprised but you always seem to find um (laughs) the most uh exhausting of scenarios i do with with people on the internet but that's sort of bullshit right it is bullshit. Like, I don't, what? I'm not here to, like, if I want to look at your Instagram and your Twitter, I will. I do. But I don't need you blowing right. up my phone with your generic texts. Fuck you, Daniel Newman. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he'll be on the ass anytime soon is what I'm saying. Anyway, um, so what are you and Boy Wolf watching or what have you watched that you would recommend to the ass listeners? Well... Just watched on um, Netflix last night a documentary that just came out called Have a Good Trip. 
Adventures in Psychedelics. Oh. And it's uh, about um, LSD, and it's basically a bunch of celebrities, mostly comedians, um, but like Deepak Chopra speaks, um, Sting uh, talks about his experience, um, and it's just all of these celebrities sharing um, their experiences um, rolling on acid. That sounds fun. Now, I've never done acid. Um, one of the only drugs I haven't done, I've done mushrooms, and that's about right. as psychedelic, and ecstasy. That, that's as psychedelic as I've gotten, but you've done acid. I've done it twice, and interesting. it, it, it was interesting to hear that so many of these celebrities had done it um, like, like 50, 75, 100 times. And um, when I, even Boy Wolf was like, yeah, I probably have done this, I've probably done acid like 100 times. I've only done it twice, and that's because the first time I did it, it was one of the best days of my life. It was so amazing. It was um, it was just an out-of-body experience. That's what it felt like to me. And then the second time I did it, it was probably one of the worst days of my life. Yeah. Not so great of an experience, and um, I don't want to, the third time to take that kind of a gamble so I've, I've put hallucinogens uh, to rest but but it is it really does um, kind of ask like if used responsibly can it help um, in therapeutic ways can it help in medical more like um, people who are in, are in pain or people who are trauma just they're, they're talking about it from like sort of a, a medical uh, standpoint. Right, and and there's this thing nowadays called microdosing, where people who are battling um, chronic depression will take a tiny little dose every day, a, a microdose, and it doesn't make them trip. But many people find um, incredible relief from their depression from this microdosing. So it's definitely, yeah. uh, you know, I, listen, all drugs should be legal. I've said this a million times. Criminalization doesn't do anything but throw a lot of nonviolent people in prison, sometimes for their entire life. And it's used against black and brown people far more than it is against white people. It's a weapon. It's a tool of oppression. And everyone needs to decide for him or herself, you know, when it comes to – I mean, listen, if we're allowed to drink and we're allowed to smoke cigarettes, which literally kill you. Right. Why the fuck shouldn't we be allowed to to drop acid if we want to? Not that I want to. Um, all right. Yeah, well, that sounds really great. Say the, say the name yeah. of it again. Um, have a good trip. Have a good trip. Okay. I'm going to check that out. I uh, am watching the second season of Dead to Me with Christina Applegate, whom I've always loved. Um, if you haven't watched the first season, I recommend it. Second season's good. I'm a few episodes in. Probably not as good as the first, but it's a fun kind of thriller with lots of twists and turns, and she's just, I'll watch her do anything. And then the other thing I watched is a Netflix documentary, it's a few years old, called Voyeur, about the author Gay Talese and his pursuit of a story that he pursued for decades of a motel owner who built a, like a, a crawl space above the, his guests' rooms for the sole purpose of spying on them. He was a voyeur, and he wanted to see everything that was going on in these hotel rooms, and he kept extensive journals about his observations. And um, I don't want to spoil anything. There's lots of, of twists and turns, and 
unreliable narrators and you're not sure who's telling the truth and who's not and it's it's fun so i would recommend voyeur on netflix and those are my recommendations for this week um ryan we're going to get right into our first story and that is more fallout from the meth gala oh boy as we told you about uh, on last week's episode, the Meth Gala, as it's being called, was an underground um, mini circuit party, which, by the way, I thought was held in Hell's Kitchen, but now they're saying it was in Brooklyn. Do you ha- do you have any idea? I thought no, I, I I didn't hear anything about Brooklyn. I I definitely thought it was confirmed Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, it's not clear. But anyway, hmm. um, the DJ of the event, Alec Bryan, who initially put out a written statement that was sort of a a half-assed non-apology, has now recorded himself giving a half-assed non-apology. And it was featured on boyculture.com. Our friend Matthew Rettman posted it with a a short commentary where he basically said, this is sad. He, uh, it's, he, Alec Bryan comes off as being under the influence of something and he has no good excuse for what he did. I thought for the very first time I would try to play a, la- a live soundbite. I'm not sure how this is going to work, but let's give a listen to just a couple minutes of Alec Bryan's non-apology. All right. Hey, guys. DJ Alec Bryan here. Um, I just wanted to go over a few things that have gone over that have happened over the past couple days, um, especially talking about that party on Monday night. Uh, before I begin, I first want to start off with a huge big shout out and a thank you to our first line front men working class that are out there, you know, slaving away to keep our lives safe. Um, thank you guys so much. Our hospital workers, our bus drivers, our front desk staff, our people working in the supermarkets. All of you guys have done amazing jobs and have kept this economy going. Um, And I want to thank you guys before anything for your hard work and putting your lives at risk for us to be able to live. Oh, dear. Did you hear it, Ryan? Oh, I sure did. First class men responded. That was the first thing. The fuck? That was the first thing that struck me as like, this person is still on drugs. Um, yeah, uh, I just don't, just, it's like, don't speak, don't speak, yes. lay low. I mean, you can offer an apology um, if it's sincere and if it's not a non-apology, which this kind of was. Yeah, I mean, I posted uh, sort of an open response to him on the Adam Sank Show page, and I just was like, listen, just go away for a little while. You know, just go quiet because you're making it worse. You're making people more pissed off at you. And a lot of people were saying like shitty things about him being a meth addict. And look, I don't know. I don't know if he's an addict. I don't know what drugs he uses, if he uses drugs. But if he does, you can't attack him for that. Addiction's a disease. And nobody chooses to be an addict. But I did say, if you need help, seek it out. But stop trying to justify your actions because they're not justifiable. Uh, He goes on in the video to say... Anyone who knows me knows I'm very clean. I keep my house vacuumed and I have CNN going 24-7 so I I know what's going on in the news. And it's like neither of those things, being clean or watching the news, is going to protect you 
or the people you come into contact with from getting coronavirus. So it's sad. Um, at the same time, Ryan, I have to say I'm getting a little – I'm getting to the point now where I'm getting fatigued by all the shaming. Right. Like I know I took part in it when it came to this meth gala. But my god, my Facebook feed is nothing but like pictures of people hanging out in the park with like chastising comments like, what's wrong with these fucking assholes? And you know the truth is – We've been doing this now for three months. It's fucking hard. No one's perfect at it. And there are people who yell at me for going outside my apartment and exercising. They're like, you, you're putting other people at risk. It's like, no, we're allowed to go outside. The stay-at-home order does not mean that you literally can't leave your home. It means if you do leave your home, wear a mask, practice social distancing, you know, wash your hands when you come back. But my God, this is not a normal way for any human being to live. And no one is is doing everything right 100% of the time, even if they try to. So like, let's just like stop attacking one another. At a certain point, if this goes on for, for another three months or six months or a year or two years, we're just going to have to live our lives. Because we cannot, the economy can't survive and human beings can't survive being isolated forever. I just feel like, you know, everyone, we we, we all need to be kinder and more gentle and more sensitive, um, more compassionate, more empathetic, all those things. But when it comes to these kind of situations where um, a group of people decide, hey, we don't give a fuck. We just want to do our thing. We want to have fun. We want to have parties again. We want to hang out. We No one can stop them. So if they're going to do that, they need to be aware that if any video or pictures are being taken by anyone in that group of people, if those get posted on any social media platform, it's going to uh, bring out a reaction in people. Right. People are going to be upset, especially right now. Right. So it's like, I, I, I can't say, like, you know, don't do this, don't do that, because we're all thinking, like, what can we do? How can we make the best of this? How can we enjoy this nice weather? How can we enjoy this, this time that we're not, like, at our offices working? There's so many things that we want to do, and we can all make those choices for ourselves. Right, and, I think- and also, like, I saw this picture today on my feed of these four young, hot, probably gay guys in Central Park, and they were, like, very close to each other on a blanket, and they didn't have masks on, and, of course, they were being shamed and attacked. And, and I thought, you know, first of all, they didn't take that picture of themselves. Some spy took that picture so that they could, you know, have the receipts on social media. But also, we don't know what their situation is. All four of them might live together. They might have already all had coronavirus. We, we, we can't, you cannot, you don't, you can't know what someone else's situation is. And it's frankly none of your business. It's one thing if they right. are having a party or they're running down the street coughing at everyone or what, you know, whatever. But like, they're just on a blanket. Leave them alone. Yeah. It, it, this, it, if, if this is going to turn into some sort of like paparazzi, you know, where everyone is trying to expose one another, like, Oh, look at this group of people um, hanging out. Shame on them. It's just fuck out of here. And there's a certain amount of envy 
and and um, like FOMO involved when people do that. It reminds me of the early days of bareback porn, when everybody was shaming uh, the, the producers and actors, saying, "How dare you make bareback porn? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you?" And now it is the norm. It's what we expect to see when we watch porn. Right. We, you just. It, all right, I've made my point. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. okay, I, that said, I want everyone to be as safe as they can, and I do want everyone to follow the guidelines, and I am trying to follow the guidelines. I put a mask on every time I walk outside, but you know what? I can't bike with my mask. My nose runs and my glasses fog up, and, I, and it's impossible. So when I'm on my bike, I have the mask around my neck. If I get close to someone, I momentarily put it over my mouth and nose, but the rest of the time, it's it's dangling over my chin, and... If you want to shame me for that, go ahead and do it. I'm doing my best. You know? Amen. Anyway, Ryan, on a lighter topic, it's time for this week's RuPaul's Drag Race update. And uh, even though, you know, people listen to this podcast anywhere from one week to three months later, um, <laughs> we are almost we are almost at the end. So, uh, Ryan, Ryan Frostig, take it away. Shantae, you stay. Well... I feel like this has been the longest season in the history of the show. I mean, when I think back to the um, double premiere at the beginning of the season, it feels like a literal year ago. But we finally made it. Um, we have a, a, a top, well, what we, what we presently know as a top three, considering one of the contestants has been disqualified, being Sherry Pie, uh, Jada Essence Hall, Gigi Good. And Crystal Method. Um, we saw Jackie Park be eliminated um, this past week, and there's been a lot of conversation about whether or not she will then um, be brought back to compete again in the top four. Um, and so, I actually thought that this uh, this final episode was um, really exciting. They did a, a rusical that was based on the Vegas show, which. Um, RuPaul's Vegas show. Yeah, RuPaul's uh, Drag Race Live um, in Vegas. And um, I thought it was probably one of the catchiest, um, most, like, kind of cohesive rusical that they've had since um, the Shade the Rusical, which was the the one that Bianca's season did. Um, You know, it was... They had an exciting opening number. They had, like, a... um, uh, sort of soft mirror uh, ballad moment, and then they had to do. Um, they each had to write their own rap verses. I have it to was say, a great challenge. I thought the ballad moment was incredibly cheesy and off-brand. Oh, I liked it. I, I thought it was nice. I mean, that's what you get in in a musical. I mean, they were kind of hitting every. Uh, in the past, it, there was no um, like through line to enemy. Like when they do. Share the unauthorized musical, and they did Madonna. It's just a bunch of songs, but this kind of felt more along the lines of what a musical is. Yes, it was cheesy, but it's like it's drag. Um, and I also just thought that the girls all looked so beautiful. Like it was just a really like lovely uh, moment. Um, but I, I mean, look, this season has been so fucked up. It really will always, in my mind, go down as the cursed season. First, you have the Sherry Pie scandal, then the coronavirus. I mean, I'm, I, I am more interested in the reunion and how that's going to go down than I am the actual um, 
finale. Anyway. Yes. At now, this point, let's talk about the fact that both the reunion and the finale are going to be virtual events. Yes. Um, I don't. I'm. I'm. In any reunion, right? There's always a lot to unpack when all the queens are uh, brought back. In this particular um, scenario, you've got. Uh, the topics that they would normally talk about, what happened on the show, right? What happens that we saw as viewers. But then you have these elephants, multiple elephants in the room, one being Sherry Pie and one being coronavirus. Both have obviously impacted um, the, the, the season. So I'm wondering, how, because I don't think at this point any of the queens have been able to speak publicly about Sherry Pie. No. I think that in their contract or whatever, whatever, um, whatever happened after everything broke, uh, they've all been, they've all remained silent. So this is going to be an opportunity to, to talk on it, to speak on it. And I'm just, I just am very curious as to, um, how it's all going to go down. I'm here for it. Um, now, I do think the finale is going to be rather lackluster. I, I think, you know, the best they could do is take a cue from American Idol, which has done a really great job of dealing with the uh, the live competition with all the contestants being from home. They they The quality has been great. They gave them multiple cameras and recording equipment and lighting and really spent some time um, editing their performances. And I hope that RuPaul, that World of Wonder does that as well, because it's going to be a weird-ass finale, that's for sure. Let me ask you this before we, um, before we wrap, because I know we can get uh, lost in this conversation. Get in the forever. weeds, yes. Um, so the, we have a reunion this week. We have the finale next week, the following week. And then we go right into All-Stars 5. A month later, we get uh, Canada's Drag Race, which they just announced the cast for, and that's yes. premiering early July. So World of Wonder is, and, and we just saw the finale of Celebrity Drag Race, which they pushed out during season 12. World of Wonder is pushing out all of their, con their content at once. Why do you think that is? I have because no idea. I can't understand the thinking behind that. I don't considering we don't know when production will be able to resume for any of these um, shows. I don't. I don't understand it. I th I think it's sort of a backwards strategy. It ha it must have something to do with their deal with VH1. They maybe this is what what they had scheduled with VH1 and VH1 sold the ads and that's it. They can't they can't go back. But I agree with you. I mean, to have to watch three hours every Friday night of some form of RuPaul's Drag Race over the past four weeks has been, frankly, exhausting. exhausting. I can't even, even watch all me. of it. Me either. We, we, we usually watch Untucked the following day because it's like it's impossible to do three hours. We need time to hours. process. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I don't know the answer to your question. I, I think it's a good question, and I'd love to ask someone involved in the production. Okay, we have to move on. Thank you, Ryan, for the that. The last thing I want to say yes. is Jada Essence Hall for season 12. Thank you. I am, um, for probably for the first time ever, I would be happy with any of those three queens winning. I think they're all yeah. fabulous. I think they all have different um, strengths that they bring, and I really like them all as people. Yeah. 
I probably like Jada and Crystal a little more than I like Gigi personality-wise, but Gigi's not a bad person. She's done really well. She's yeah. done great. It's, it's been a great season, um, all things considered. Okay. All right, so now it is time for our Ellen DeGeneres' is Secretly Mean update. And for that, again, I turn you over to Ryan Frostig for the live bumper. Take it away. You're a mean one, Ellen DeGeneres. You're a privileged talk show host. You have splinters in your pussy and your heart is made of poo, Ellen DeGeneres. If I had to choose between spending an afternoon with you and being double penetrated by Kevin Hart and George W. Bush, I'd gladly take the double DP. That was beautiful, Ryan. Thank you so much. Well, this week's Ellen is Secretly Mean story is probably the most ridiculous of all time. A former producer on The Ellen Show has stated that Ellen once personally called Apple CEO Steve Jobs to complain about the font size on her phone. This producer spoke to the New York Post, of course, anonymously, and said uh, Ellen had lost her glasses and couldn't read a text on her phone. She stopped everything and made a call. Next thing we know, we literally hear Steve Jobs pick up and say, Hi, Ellen. Ellen told him the iPhone should have a bigger font. The former producer continued, That's her. It's not that she's some demon. She just lives in an incredibly privileged bubble and is out of touch with the real world. Uh, Another former staffer also spoke to the Post about recent allegations of rude behavior that have plagued uh, uh, various people, telling the Post that the stories are all true. Is she always nice? No. It irritates me that people think she's all sweetness and light and gets away with it. Uh, Of course, this is the latest in a series of attacks on Ellen. Uh, last week, we told you about the former Oscars bodyguard who says that he, that she was cold. T- a Dutch beauty blogger named Nikki de Jaeger, also known as Nikki Tutorials, is one of the first people to call out DeGeneres, suggesting uh, on, a, on a talk show in February that DeGeneres was cold and distant when she appeared on The Ellen Show. Uh, in April, a Twitter thread asked for stories about Ellen, calling her one of the meanest people alive. It garnered more than 2,000 replies, with many people describing their experiences. Uh, I think the Steve Jobs thing, I have to say, in defense of Ellen, that sounds like something she was doing kind of to be funny. Right. Like she, I agree. Like she realizes, I'm sure, that that's ridiculous privileged behavior. And I think it's the kind of thing where when a celebrity knows another celebrity and they, and they have their number, they're just like, hey, Steve, what's up with the iPhone? I can't make that. Like, I think she knew she was being ridiculous. I have to think that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because it's like, yes, she has proven to maybe be um, one of the most privileged people in uh, Hollywood, but she's also a comedian. So, like, you've got to think that maybe she's in on this uh, and it's not just um, some tone-deaf kind of uh, celebrity moment from Ellen, but I don't know. I, I, I keep thinking about this because it's like, um, I don't watch Ellen anymore. I, I don't necessarily think of myself as someone that supports Ellen DeGeneres in any way. Um, I think that it, it's clear that over um, the course of her career, she's helped 
a lot of people. Um, yeah. She has changed a lot of lives. I think she's I think, also made people very happy. I think on balance, she's done more good than bad. And let's remember, she's not being accused of anything really nefarious. She's not being accused of rape or sexual assault or theft or murder or like any like any crime. She's accused of being cold, distant, rude. I mean, you at at one time or another you can probably say that about any celebrity. There is some sexism here happening and there is a clear campaign. Whoever's waging this campaign about her literally releases one story every week and it's always a new story. And in fact, I, I picked this up in, at businessinsider.com, and at the end of the article, it literally says, if you've had an experience with Ellen DeGeneres that you'd like to share on the record, please email Torres at businessinsider.com. Like, they're wow. just, it's a feeding frenzy at this point. Um, yeah. Again, I'll repeat that she could put a, a stop to all of this if she just recorded a video, which could be serious or it could be funny. I think, you know, humor is her greatest weapon. And her greatest talent, and she should just be like, "Listen, guys, like, I'm not perfect, but I'm so I'm terribly sorry if I've offended anyone. Here's what's happening with my staff. Here's what's happening with the money. Like, she could stop all of this. And the the only upsetting thing to me about all this is that she's just doesn't seem to give a shit. But um, we will keep updating you every week because I love these stories and I love listening to Ryan sing the bumper. In other news, Ryan, IKEA wants you to stop masturbating in their stores. Oh, damn. It's my favorite place to jack off. Specifically you. Uh, (laughs) No, the New York Post, again, reports that IKEA has had to tighten up security in China. Uh, A video recently made the rounds of a woman strolling around IKEA uh, somewhere in China. And uh, she stops in random places in the store to touch her cooch. For whoever is recording her, she was with someone who was making this recording. Um, it it seemed to be shot before the coronavirus. The footage was scrubbed from Chinese social media, but if you want to see the whole video, uh, it is available online. Just Google woman masturbating IKEA. IKEA caught wind of the in-store pussy touching and chose to act. Um, they... <laughs> published a statement saying, we resolutely oppose and condemn this kind of behavior and immediately reported it to the police in the city of the suspected store. They will take even more careful security and public cleanliness measures. I mean, cleanliness, it's, I guess if she's touching stuff after she touches her puss, that's kind of unclean, but it wasn't like she was like ejaculating or anything. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I would say uh, it's probably best to not masturbate in a public place. Um, You're taking a a bold stance there, Ryan. Well, okay. It's specifically in a a, a department store or something something that's not a a steam room at a gym or... That's totally uh, acceptable there. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, But it also makes me think about and what what gets them off, right? Do you think there's probably a, um, a population of, of people who are turned on by the idea of someone uh, masturbating? Oh, absolutely. Not just in public, but at Ikea. Listen, there's, pr- there's probably a whole category on Pornhub just for public jerking off. Like, 
absolutely uh, it's a thing. I don't ever watch masturbation porn. I don't I'm not interested no. in watching a guy jerk off. I can watch myself do that and I do. <laughs> quite frequently i'm sure you do but um yeah no i i but there are people who love to see it there there are guys that want to watch women you know play with themselves there's probably a lot of women that want to watch women play with themselves some but of whom may be listening like specifically I, I think about like it's it goes beyond just public like you know someone might be into the idea of someone um, masturbating at a post office Maybe that is their mm. fantasy, Hi. or masturbating in a Broadway theater. Mm. Um, I once grabbed a know. guy's dick in a Broadway theater, in the bathroom. No. We've discussed that before. All right, we're going to move on because we have five minutes to do three more stories, and these sure. I keep putting these on the rundown every week, and then we keep not having time for them. Okay, BuzzFeed published a ridiculous quiz called "This Quiz Will Determine What Percent Top and Bottom You Really Are." Bottom. Now. Ryan and I both took the quiz, and it uh, turns out that we're both more tops than bottoms. I know. Shocking. Which might come as a shock to some people. But um, I'm going to read you just some of the questions so you get an idea. It's a 15-question quiz. Number one, how long does it take you to prepare for sex? Number two, what's your favorite sexual position? Number three, what's your favorite place to have sex that's not in bed? Um, Some of them didn't seem related to sex at all, like... Which of these kinds of dates would you be happy to go on? And then they describe different dates. Um, How do you like to split the bill on a date? Um, How many sex toys do you own? Do you own a douche? So basically you put in your answers and it gives you this computation of what percentage top and what percentage bottom you are. So woke Twitter went apeshit about this. Uh, It it actually was trending uh, for a while because people were like, this reduces us to sexual stereotypes and it's bottom shaming and what difference does it make who pays for dinner that has nothing to do with what you'd like to do in bed and people were just freaking the fuck out and to that i say like just relax like is it yeah is it a stupid sex quiz yes are all sex quizzes stupid yes they're all, they all reduce us to stereotypes. They're all vague. They're all not meant to be scientific or taken seriously. Ryan, you say what? Well, yeah. I mean, it's just like I, I, the, the quiz phenomenon that we've seen on Netflix, or not Netflix, <laughs> BuzzFeed, um, for the past couple of years is so absurd. It's like, uh, take this quiz about donuts and we'll tell you what... What kind uh, of donut what you are? Looks, yeah, what, or, but but then it'll be like something completely random. Like, um, take this quiz about donuts to find out how many kids you're gonna have. Exactly. Or like, it, it, it's all absurd. It's all, I think, just um, um, comedy, and it's not meant to be taken seriously. That being said, I did find some of the questions to be interesting about, um, you know, splitting the check and that kind of stuff because it 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 speaks to like not necessarily the literal like what you do in bed and how you feel about in bed but who you are as a person and are you open to the idea of being flexible are you open to the idea of like meeting someone halfway or are you completely dominant and you can't you know submit yourself it's it's interesting how the questions can kind of right but um, i think 
I think part of the outrage was this notion that if you're dominant in life, you must also be dominant in bed, when in fact, it's very often the opposite. Some of the the, the most like diesel, rugged, controlling, traditionally masculine guys, once they get into bed, they just want to be totally like dominated. They turn yeah, into like sub bottom pigs. And there's nothing wrong with that either way. And there's also bossy bottoms out there. People have described me as a bossy bottom. Well, I think that my many times absolutely made sense for me because I am just too lazy to be more of a bottom than I am a top. And you're also like you love the ass. Like you're obsessed with ass. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think that um, I think that we should all be versatile. I think that. Um, you know, I think we're missing out if we're not really allowing ourselves the full, uh, the full range of um, sexual positions and opportunities. But you know, people prefer what they prefer, and and have um, and um, we, we shouldn't uh, judge or shame or uh, have expectations of people that uh, they don't want to meet. Sure. And also, do we really need a quiz to tell us whether we're a top or a bottom? Like, I pretty much know. No. no. I am a verse bottom. I'm proud of it. Uh, I do love to fuck sometimes, particularly guys who are smaller than me and smooth and have like a great ass. You know, like a some little five foot six guy with like a bubble butt and a tiny waist. Like, I'll fuck the shit out of him. But for guys my size or bigger, I usually like to get fucked. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just want to do oral. Um, so there. Rye, the last story, because we're still waiting for the guest to call in, so we'll just keep going until he does. Uh, Nicki Minaj says she's no longer bisexual. Oh, that's him. We'll have to talk about that next time. Ryan, I love you. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Love you. Hello. Hi, Adam. Hello. Here we go with the introduction. Uh... Okay. Our guest today is making his triumphant return to the ass. He's an award-winning pop star who currently hosts his own podcast, Kiki from the Cancer Ward. Please give a warm-ass welcome to Sir Ari Gold. Thank you very much. But am I making a warm welcome back to? Yes, of course. What did you say? I I said you're making your triumphant return to the podcast and we're giving you a warm-ass welcome back. Yes. Because the last time I was with you which, of course, was in person. Yes. was uh, a long time ago before I was getting my bone marrow transplant. Right, and we're going to talk about that uh, because it... Uh, well, first of all, explain... Tell us about the title of your podcast, Kiki from the Cancer Ward, and are you actually recording it in a cancer ward? Tell us everything that's uh, that's happening right now at this moment. Well, a Kiki from the Cancer Ward, I came up with, uh, I, I wanted to do something while I was in the hospital that made me feel still vital and creative. Um, I, I don't know if we discussed this last time, but uh, I've been talking about it for a very long time. Ad nauseum. Nauseum. Is that how you say that? Yes, Ad perfect. Ad nauseum. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, ad nauseum, yeah, brings me a meaning. You're talking about cancer. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, my memoirs, uh, 
I've been working on them for a long time, and uh, it's a musical memoir, of course, because it's my life, uh, having been a singer and songwriter and performer for many, many years. Um, but I thought maybe I can, you know, turn it into a podcast or do something like that. And that was a bit ambitious for me in the hospital because uh, it really is hard to do anything when you're in a hospital. I can't even imagine. Well. Yeah. But the one thing that I was able to do was very simply and very low tech, uh, although the sound was surprisingly good. Um, but that was just to record casual conversations, kikis, if you will, um, with various friends who came to visit me. And, you know, thankfully I have some very uh, interesting um, and uh, prolific and uh, successful friends who are doing all sorts of interesting projects. I had um, Laverne Cox come to visit me. Fabulous. I had Col Coleman Domingo from Fear of the Walking Dead, mm -hmm. as well as lots of films like Selma and Lincoln. And he, he's, he's basically across the board, Coleman. He's been a, a Broadway film and TV star. Um, and... Uh, I had Kevin Aviance, my dear friend, legendary icon, drag legendary, queen. yes. <laughs> um, and I had Peppermint. Uh, from One of our favorites. We just had her on our yes. show. Oh, did you? Mm -hmm. She really is. She's every. She's everybody's favorite. She's the greatest. Um, she's just impossible not to like, and, and she's the whole package, and she's such a great drag queen. And she's an education for us all in the difference between drag and trans and... And where they overlap. Paved, where they overlap, exactly. And she paved uh, a path of that overlap uh, in such a trailblazing way because she really was able to explain to the public what those two things are and how they're not the same, but how they can intersect. And that's the intersection of that can be embraced because a lot of people were not wanting to embrace those two things together. Um, I and then I even had, I even had the, uh, the one and only RuPaul herself, himself, herself, uh, as Ru said, you can call me he, you can call me she, as long as you call me. <laughs> That's incredible <laughs> that you had Ru on the show. Yeah, so they all came to visit me, and I mean, Rue and I have been very good friends for a very, very long time. Um, everybody, of course, asked me why I've never been on Drag Race. I don't have an answer to that, um, other than the, the fact Lady Bunny was on Drag Race, but I, I guess you know she gets asked that all the time. But I, I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps the stars just didn't align. And um, all right, remind. Yeah. Sorry, I want to. I want. Kind of want to get back to you and what's going on with you. R remind the listeners what kind of cancer you have. Well, so when I went to when I decided to record this, that was really when I went into the hospital to begin the process, the very long process of getting ready for a bone marrow transplant because I have acute myeloid leukemia, otherwise known as AML. I was diagnosed with another type of cancer, blood cancer, MDS, 
plastic disorder, um, and I was diagnosed with that many years ago, about seven years ago. Um, and uh, I, for a long time, put off treatment. I just didn't want to go through it. Um, and uh, finally, things got worse because AML is worse than MDS, although both of them require similar treatments to get rid of. Um, I don't know if you, you know Robin Roberts from yes. ABC. She, mm-hmm. she had MDS and she had a bone marrow transplant. And I think everything worked fine for her. Um, unfortunately, after my bone marrow transplant, uh, the cancer came back. So Which one? Um, the AML, the, the leukemia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, when when you say triumphant return, um, I'm having a hard time feeling triumphant these days. Yeah. So that's why it's nice to be asked to be on your podcast and have people still feel like I have something to say because there's something about uh, being ill. It's like that Susan Sontag essay where um, you're like living in an alternate universe. Yeah, and now we're all living in an alternate, alternate universe. Well, that's that's so, what I was. That's what I keep thinking about because when I I didn't know. I honestly, I, I of course I knew about the bone marrow transplant, and I, uh, to my knowledge, it had was successful, and you were doing great, and that was sort of where I left off with you. So when I asked you to be on the show a few weeks ago, and you let me know that it had come back, and that you were you know dealing with this every day and getting treatment, I was thinking, God, like. What a fucking horrible time to, to have, like, not that there's ever a good time to deal with leukemia, but, like, when when I think about how I'm struggling, and I have nothing to complain about, and I'm just wondering... I see your rooftop pictures where you're enjoying your rooftop. I am. I am. I Listen, I, I have to count my blessings every single day, and I guess... This is a weird question, but is it harder to get people to care right now? than before, but then before coronavirus hit us, because then it was like most people were living normal lives and they could reach out to you and they could support you and they could donate to your GoFundMe, which by the way, everyone should. Um, is it harder now? Do you feel even even worse in a way because everyone is so focused on themselves and their own struggles? There's an, there's an element to that. Um... I mean, there's so many different layers and levels as to why it is particularly difficult to be struggling with this underlying illness on top of the coronavirus. Um, I mean, I don't have the coronavirus, but just the phenomenon of, Thank of the God. coronavirus. Um, and, you know, I, I lost a dear friend the first week of quarantine, and... Um, my brother Stephen lost his best friend and creative collaborator, co-partner, business partner of about 30 years, Adam Schlesinger, yes. um, who uh, was really prolific and well-known, and, and there were you know, many tributes to him online. And, and, uh, and the community, LGBTQ community, uh, you know, uh, did tribute Nasham Wooden AKA Mona Foot, quite a, quite a big deal, and it was a it was a big deal that he passed. Yeah. Um, 
that first week. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's grief. Uh, there's grief to deal with. Um, there's the fact that we can't grieve together. I mean, this is, this is just an absolutely, it, 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 surreal doesn't, doesn't begin to describe it. Bizarre doesn't begin to describe it. Um, and you add the incompetence of the administration on top of it. It's uh, so infuriating. It's it, it's like horror meets science fiction in a way that I don't think any creative mind could have actually come up with. No. All uh, right. You know, yes. Yeah. What do you, what is like a a normal day like a typical day like for you? Like, are you in pain? How, what are the symptoms of this disease? Well, I have I have lately had some symptoms of pain. Um, uh, I'm trying to manage them right now. Um, this weekend was a, a good weekend for me because I was able to keep myself busy. I was asked by my friend Kevin Aviance to perform with him last night live um, in you know one of these uh, online platform yeah that was live a, shows. a fundraiser for the Hetrick Martin Institute called Get... actually that, that oh that was the night the night before oh that was Friday night. Yeah. You're busy, I, girl. Um, I'm busy. Uh, I'm not really, but lately, I just, 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 just lately, things were starting to come up. Um, you know, of course, it's one of those things where it's like you're not being asked and you, and you feel insignificant and ignored. And then when you are asked, you feel a tremendous amount of pressure. Yes. But the one that was the, the night before, um, that was for the Hedrick Martin Institute for LGBTQ Homeless Youth. And... Um, that was uh, coordinated by a production company that was working with Get Out Magazine, which is the New York-based, our last sort of rag that we have here in New York for the club scene, which, of course, you know, the rag, of course, is suffering, as is the entire club scene. Yeah. Um, but it, was, it wasn't even to raise money for, for, for us or the club world. It was really to raise money for the, the LGBTQ youth. And um, I decided not to sing one of my own songs. I decided to sing uh, a medley that I had had um, that I performed a few times um, of an Irving Berlin song, What'll I Do? What'll I do when you are far away and I am blue? What'll I do? <laughs> That's nice. Uh, Thank you. And it goes into Over the Rainbow uh, as well. So both those lyrics are so presci- prescient, prescient? Is yes, that, is that prescient. Mm-hmm. For this time. Um, and uh, But, you know, the day that I had to record it, I had a terrible headache. Um, and I just had to push through uh, because I wanted to do it and I wanted to contribute. And it's like... You know, I haven't I haven't been doing a whole lot of my own sort of self-motivated, produced uh, Instagram lives like some people have been doing during this time, which is great that they're doing that. But when when you're asked by an, an organization that you that I've worked with before that I really believe in, um, I my, I still have my voice no matter what's bothering me or whatever. My voice is still here, thank God. Yeah. And, and that's I, and what, I wanna, an, what an important tool, 
I would think in dealing with with the the fear, the pain, the uncertainty. Um, you know, I think music is essential more than ever right now. And thank God you are able to make it and you do have that talent. Ari, what are they, what is, what is the treatment now? Now that the bone marrow transplant was not successful, how do they treat this and, and what's your prognosis? Well, you know, the doctors tell you all kinds of things, all kinds of scary things. Um, that you sort of take with a grain of salt. But um, right now, things are just sort of holding steady. I Today and Wednesday is one of those days where I have to go to the hospital, get my labs done, and usually I need platelets. I have very low platelets, and, and I need red blood cells. Um, and so I get that, and that's, that's more like a maintenance program. Um, and I'm sort of waiting for uh, some trials or studies that are might be applicable for the kind of disease that I have. Unfortunately, with corona, a lot of these studies are being put on hold right now. Right. So, and it's and you know, and it's it's scary to go to the hospital during this time. Of course, um, it's not it's not exactly the place you want to be while, while this is all going on. So, I think the, the most important question I have for you today is how do you, how do you keep going? Because a lot of people out there listening are dealing with their own shit right now, whether it's they don't have any, they, they've lost their job, they don't have any income, a, a, a friend or family member is sick or, or dying or has died. Um, there's just generalized fear and anxiety right now how no one can be in in a scarier situation than you so how are you dealing with this how do you get through it well i don't claim to have the answer to that question uh for anyone including myself because sometimes that question remains just that a question for me how am i going to get through this um of course, uh, the cliche is very true. It's a day at a time. It's a moment at a time. Um, it's, it's when there is relief from the pain. And yesterday I went outside to my building has a private park just to sit out and look at the trees and look at the nature. Um, you know, giving giving myself that while socially distancing, um, and uh, I mean, this too shall pass. It's always a very powerful phrase or tool, um, but it's all it's it's all easier to have been done, and and I I don't know. I to keep. It's, it can be a battle sometimes, but keep, keep choosing kindness. I, I am very lucky in the sense, not only do I have somebody living with me who's been caring for me and the efforts that I try to make, and I do not always succeed, but in just uh, nurturing and showing kindness to that friendship, um, you know, I'm, I am blessed to have a lot of support systems uh, and people who call me 
all the time and people who I speak to every day or if I don't speak to them every day, you know, I speak to them every week or so. And, um, and even old friends that I haven't heard from for a long time, sometimes we'll get on the phone and it'll be like we never, you know, we never uh, didn't speak to each other. So the, really relying on friends, making sure I'm reaching out. You know, and it's like there's like these moments when you're like, I'm never calling anybody. I'm just, I'm miserable and forget it. I just don't want to ever talk to anyone. <laughs> yeah. Have these, like, like, you just have these like crazy thoughts. But they pass, those thoughts, and, and you're like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call this person. And then you call and... And that's it. I, and and somehow I have people who they really allow me to. I mean, sometimes I'm like, God, why? Why does anyone even want to talk to me? I'm just complaining. I'm I'm, I'm just sad. I'm I'm depressed. I'm you know. But uh, but they're okay. You know, they they're okay with listening. And um, because you know why, Ari? Because I, because your problems are real problems. You know, like. I don't want to listen to someone bitch about how they got a bad haircut or how they, you know, or that they can't get a haircut. <laughs> right. Or that like they didn't get their latest gig when they auditioned. I mean, that's a real disappointment. I get it as a performer, but I think talking to someone like you, I mean, for one thing, I, I want to be helpful in any way that I can. Um, I care about you. I know you're a good person. And, like, if talking to me is helpful to you, then, of course, I'll talk to you. But also, it helps put perspective on anything I'm going through, um, you know. And, and so it's not a burden, I, I don't feel, when, some, when someone in your situation talks about his illness and his struggle and what he's going through. I, I think it's actually it's helpful to those who are going through similar struggles, and it's helpful to the rest of us just to keep it all in perspective, well, I appreciate that, and uh, and you know, I I also just hope for my own sake that it's one of the most challenging things is, and I don't really know what's going on on the other side of other people's opinions, and of course, you know, they say what other people think of me is none of my business, um, but. Uh, I'm pretty sure that there are people who, when they think of me, they'll think, oh, he's sick. He has cancer. They'll whisper that, <laughs> you know. Um, and then they sort of move on because they don't want to deal with it. And so I will just say this, you know, since, hey, we're on a podcast and people are listening, um, that, uh, that, that try going that extra step and think of me and, and reach out and, you know, especially like, like, you know, when I was uh, called upon to do this charity or of course, like, you know, when Kevin called me for his show last night, um, you know, Kevin and I speak often, so he knows exactly how I'm feeling and how I'm not feeling, but not, but not everybody does. So they'll just assume that I'm sick and unwell and I can't do anything. And, you know, and I get it that there's, there's always someone who doesn't come with that baggage around the corner who can, you know, spin out a, a, a beautiful tune or what have you, but that, you know, I have my own voice, my own unique voice. I've had a, my own voice both 
both sort of literally and figuratively uh, in the LGBTQ community for over, you know, 25 years now, which is crazy. Yeah. Because you and, still look 25. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I want to encourage. Um, uh, I want to encourage all my listeners to go to Ari's GoFundMe. It's called Help Ari Kick Cancer. And uh, if you just go into GoFundMe and type in Ari Gold, it's very easy to find. Your medical bills, I can't even imagine, um, you know, through the roof, financial strain at a time when you you must not have any income coming in. So um, I've donated. I encourage everyone else to donate. I know it's a, it's a tough time because we're all being asked to donate to everyone. But if you've got the money, um, this is a this is a worthy cause, in my opinion. And then there's all the music, which I'm still proud of. You know, I have five as well. You should albums, be three remix albums. They're all available on most platforms that you find your music, and you can stream them. I think downloading is even better because more money comes to me. But, uh, but um, you know, so so explore the music. So many people haven't heard. You know, the deep this deep cut that that I get. You know. Uh, amazing feedback from sometimes that people don't even know, oh, I didn't even know you, you know, had a ballad like that or had a song like that because they know maybe they'll know some of the more uh, popular ones or the dance remixes. Um, and, and just, uh, you know, and, and, and if, you're, if you're in the place of being able to do that, just to finish my point, you know, reach out to me. And I am still here, goddammit. And so... You know, if, if you're wondering, oh, I don't know, he may be sick, can we do that? Don't just wonder. Give me a call. I'm easy to find. Yes. AriGold.com, my website, my email's on there. I'm not, I'm not hard to find. When people say, oh, I couldn't get in touch with you, I don't believe them. How can people so, follow you on Twitter and Insta? That's all at Sir Ari Gold. That was because, of course, I was knighted by the Imperial Court, one of the longest-standing human rights organizations in the world and I kneeled in front of a drag queen and I am prouder to get my knighthood from a drag queen being a homosexual than I would be if the queen of England herself gave it to me. <laughs> As well you should. Ari, we're already over time, but I'm, uh, I'm going to give you the option of playing ask me no questions. You know, we always end the show with these ridiculous, uh, mostly sexual questions of our guests and i'm happy i'm happy to keep going if you are it's up to you that's right okay now normally we have a pre-recorded bumper but because this is all low tech and i'm doing it from home i will sing the bumper right. i i can't sing anywhere near as good as ari gold but here we go ask me no questions ask me no questions yeah <laughs> where's the strangest place you've ever had sex Gosh, um, strangest, probably uh, in the fields of an Orthodox Jewish community in the Catskills. Yes, I love that. That's the best answer ever. Were you with an Orthodox, another Orthodox Jew at the time? It, it was with uh, a woman at the time. Oh, my in goodness. High school. It's no longer a hot story. I'm sorry. What, you, sex can't be with a woman too, even if you're gay? It certainly <laughs> can be. It certainly can. We have bisexual <laughs> listeners and lesbian listeners, and we cherish them all. 
Um, Although I did, I did in that same community uh, have sex with a man in the bedroom of that of the house of that community. I uh, I did also do that. Oh, thank so. goodness. Ari, what is <laughs> what is your favorite Madonna song? Wow. Um, damn. I would have to say Vogue. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's an obvious answer, but there's something about that song that to me, even though it's very influenced and derivative by these old house tracks, there's something about it that sounds like no other song in the entire world. It's otherworldly. And every time it comes on, every time I hear it, I get this feeling. I, I can, it never stops. It never stops, that feeling that I get when I hear, when I hear that, that, the tracks and that song. But I have a lot of, you know, I would, I would say um, Oh Father is up there. So I, there's some deep, deep cuts, too, that I love. But I I'll, love. I'll, I'll, I'll go with Vogue. I love both of those. I just watched her... Um her Blonde Ambition tour, again, it's on YouTube, the entire thing, as someone uploaded it illegally, and Oh Father is uh, just such an incredible I, song. I watched it, especially the, the, the way that they transitioned into, from Lip to Tell into that. Lip yes. to Tell is also one of my, one of my all-time favorite Madonna songs. It's, it's another song that actually sounds like no other ballad ever created for pop radio. Yeah. Ari, what's the most sensitive part of your body? Oh... Well, you said they were sexual questions, so my balls are the <laughs> I My balls are up there, literally. But I think um, my neck is more sensitive than my balls. Not your pussy or your crack? My pussy and my crack are not, actually not that sensitive, <laughs> which is why I need a really big dick to go inside to feel anything. Uh, yeah, I'm not, like, if you, if you, like, like, that's why I'm not so into rimming. It doesn't really do a lot for me. Receiving or giving? Well, I don't really give it ever unless it's like with a boyfriend who has like a pristine hairless ass and we just showered because I'm kind of OCD about stuff. But um, but as far as getting it, like, yeah, I'll let someone do it. But it's like a preamble for something much more fun. It's not like some people just love getting their ass eaten for hours. And I am not that girl. Who's the okay. who's the meanest celebrity you've ever worked with? Hmm. Oh my goodness. Um, I, one person did immediately come to mind and, um, come on, I guess I've called him out a little bit before and there's, there's more to even call out than what I'm going to say here, but I would probably, I would probably say, um, Desmond Child, uh, who is a huge producer maker of many hits like living on a prayer and, um, and live in La Vida Loca for Ricky Martin. Um, I worked with him, and uh, he was sort of abusive in the studio. He would insult you, and and that's how he thought he can get a good performance out of you. I know he did it to Kelly Clarkson too, so I don't feel too bad. Desmond Child, if but, you're listening, you're canceled. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a, that's a whole another story, but we'll go in there. Well, speaking of, of uh, Ricky Martin, this is part of my next question. I'm going to give you an F. Mary Kill scenario. And uh, this is a pop star edition of F. Mary Kill. So your choices are Adam Lambert, Ricky Martin, and Sam Smith. You have to fuck one, marry one, and kill one. Oh, I think you uh, asked me this question when I was in person. Did I? Fuck, 
Mary, kill. Yes. Adam, Sam, and... Ricky. Ricky Martin. Um, uh, fuck Ricky Martin. Um, uh, wait, fuck Mary Kill? Yes. Uh, marry Adam Lambert and kill Sam Smith for, uh, stealing some of my career. <laughs> that is the correct answer. Congratulations. It really is. But of course I love Sam and I would want no harm towards him towards them Sam Sam is non-binary towards them you'd have to kill both of them Uh, (laughs) what's a talent you have that most people don't know about Oh my god! I'm always asked this question, and then I for, I always I'm always forgetting. I'm like, that's the que- that's what you should say when someone asks you what talents you should you don't you you have a talent I have that nobody knows about because for the most part I I feel other than you know writing and 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 singing and I feel like I'm so useless. Um, Come but, on. Uh, my talent. Um, God, uh, I don't know. Maybe making eggs in the morning. What's your favorite kind of eggs to make? Um, maybe like a goat cheese avocado omelet. Mm, I'm vegan, but that does sound delicious. But uh, and finally, oh, my 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 oh. my friend just came into to the room, and she she thinks I'm. I'm a guru. That I, that I, my talent lies in in giving you know good advice and and stuff like that. Oh, that's a that's a good talent to have. You're you're a, you're a sage. A sage is a good word. Yes. All right. Finally, I'll Ari. Take, I'll take it. This is the last question, and I debated asking you this because it's in such bad taste. Uh, but I think you'll be able to handle it. I'm not easily offended. I'm hoping that that you live another fifty years. But if you. if you should go before I do, will you come back as a ghost and have sex with me? <laughs> do we have to wait for that? <laughs> <laughs> we absolutely do not have to wait for that, but we may have to wait until quarantine ends. Yeah, which seems like forever at this point. So is that a yes? I haven't had sex in, in – I had not had sex in over a year before quarantine. I mean, it's just so crazy. It's like this thing that used to be so important and something that I spent a lot of time and energy cultivating <laughs> is has been completely absent in my life. So, so yeah, if you're willing, if you're willing to help me get back in touch with my sexual self, uh, I probably have a lot pent up inside me. Honey, I am willing. I am re- I am ready and willing. Don't expect it to last very long, though. No, that's listen. I, I may have to jerk off first. You and me both. If, the next time I see you, if the restrictions have ended, my tongue is going to be on your extremely sensitive balls within thirty seconds. <laughs> Ari Gold, I cannot thank you enough for doing the show. I love you. I wish you nothing but health and happiness and serenity. And uh, I really do urge people to go to GoFundMe and help Ari kick cancer by donating. Um, thank you. This is the longest episode we've ever done uh, as far as live episodes. But I'm really glad that 
I had the opportunity to talk to you and listen to you. And, um, you know, come back on the show anytime you want, honey. I would love to, but I guess I'm not going to recommend this to my parents, though. We we took a little bit of a turn at the end. Oh, come on. They can handle it. They know you're a whore. (laughs) Thank you, Ari. Take care. I love you, Adam. I love you, too, babe. Okay, so I hope we can see each other soon and Me too. at least start, start with a hug. Yes. We'll see where it goes yes. from there. Exactly. Right. Take care, babe. Bye-bye. Thanks. I want to thank Ari Gold. I also want to thank my co-host, Brian Frostig, and JB for putting this together. We finally heard from JB last week for the very first time. Hopefully, uh, he will keep putting in those drops. Next Saturday, tune in to hear another brand new ass. As God is my witness, I will keep doing these every week. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to download my comedy albums. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Instagram, at Adam Sank. Email me at adam at adamsank.com. Have a great week, bitches. Stay safe. Be well. This will all end soon.